2 Kings chapter 6, verse 11. Here it goes. Therefore, the heart of the king of Assyria was greatly troubled by this thing. And he called his servants and said to them, will you not show me which of us is for the king of Israel? Let me give you some context. The Syrian army is attacking Israel and everywhere they attack, Israel's ready for them. So the king of Syria feels like I've got a traitor in my court. Somebody is telling the enemy our battle plans. One of his servants said, none, my lord, O king, but Elisha, the prophet who is in Israel, tells the king of Israel the words that you speak in your bedroom. In other words, yo, they got a prophet and their prophet actually hears from God. So everything the enemy plans, God reveals. Y'all missed a place to say amen. I got time for y'all. We're going to keep on moving. So he said, go and see where he is, that I may send and send and get him. I'm going to kill that man. And it was told him, saying, surely he's in Dothan. Therefore, he sent horses and chariots and a great army there. And they came by night and surrounded the city. And when the servant of the man of God arose early and went out, there was an army surrounding the city with horses and chariots. And his servant said to him, ah, I mean, alas. That's what my Bible said. <laughs> Alas, my master, what should we do? So he answered, do not fear. Watch this. For those who are with us are more than those who are with. It may look like I'm surrounded. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. Then the Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. So when the Syrians came down to him, Elisha prayed to the Lord and said, strike this people, I pray, with blindness. And he struck them with blindness according to the word of Elisha. How many people know it may look like you're surrounded, but you got to know that heaven's armies is surrounding you. Greater is he that is for you than any. We ain't preaching yet. Come on, let's pray. Father God, we're so grateful that you're in this place, not up in heaven looking down, not on the outskirts, but you are Emmanuel, God with us. And God, if you're healed, healing is here, peace is here, purpose is here, vision is here. Open our eyes to see. God, we say that as you speak, we will obey. Father God, we had a win last week. It's week two of the Ravens. It, a little touch and go last week though, God. We know you can do better, so do what you do in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen and amen. It was a win, barely, barely, barely. <laughs> a win is a win. We're in week two of a series called Vantage Point. I don't, I don't know what's wrong with me, y'all. Maybe it's midlife crisis. I don't know. I'm feeling old. And I know I'm not that old. I'm like, dude, you're like four. I'm not that old. But it just, and, and what makes me feel old is I've got three kids, seven, five, and two. And when they do stuff that I know I wasn't a grown man until I figured it out, and they're doing it at like five, I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm getting old. For example, my two-year-old can open my cell phone without my help. 
And I still don't know how she figured it out because I didn't give her my passcode. So I'm just like, I don't, but she'll detonate phone. She'll take my phone. She'll, you know, zero, 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 zero. I need a new passcode. It'll open up and she'll go to YouTube. She'll find Coco Melon. She does not like commercials. So she'll swipe past the commercial. And I'm just like, you know, I'm 20 something years old before I figured out how to use apps on my phone. And you're two. They're in this stage now, though, where they say, Daddy, picture. Daddy, picture. We, we want to take a picture of my seven-year-old, five-year-old. Grab my phone and say, Daddy, we want to take a picture. So I'll say, okay, yeah, yeah, let's take a picture. And I'll grab my phone and, and I'll go to take a picture. And they say, no, 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 Daddy, we want to take the picture. And I'm like, oh, gosh, your mama's corrupted you. You're trying to be this little <laughs> doggone influencer. Okay, here we go. You have a real job when you grow up. But anyway... <laughs> <laughs> so, so I'll give my seven-year-old, I'll give my five-year-old the phone, and Zoe or Roman, they'll, they'll take a picture. They did this today. Took me a picture of me and me inside, and, and they'll set up. And I'm just like, what's with the squat? I don't know. They get it from their mother. But she'll, they'll squat, and my Zoe, she'll start taking angles, and this, and daddy, daddy, you're not in the light. Daddy, come over here. Come over here. And they'll, they'll move me, and they'll take all And then after they finish taking the picture, I was like, okay, let me see. And I'll take the phone, and I'll look, and y'all, my head's cut off. I'm missing half my arm. They cut half my face off. It's just, I mean, it, everything that's supposed to be in the picture I'm preaching is not in the picture. Hey, just because you've got a picture doesn't mean important information wasn't cropped out. And if you crop out information that's vital for the completion of the picture, the image that you end up with may not be the image that you need to see. The whole idea behind this series vantage point is us understanding, yes, life be life in. Okay, yes, life is ghetto. The Bible says we live in a fallen world and a fallen world comes with problems. The biblical way of saying is it rains on the just and the unjust alike. You're not going to get through this world without problems. However, I dare say life is not as much of what happens to you as it is the lens in which you view it through. We talked through last week how some people have a victim's lens and they will be a victim. Some people have an orphan's lens and they are just going to be isolated. Some people have a chosen lens where they realize I've been appointed, I've been called, I've been handpicked by my Father in heaven, and he has chosen me for such a time as this. The lens that you select dictates what you see. They put all these cameras up here for me to pick the wrong one and the wrong lens and all that other good stuff. This lens that I grabbed, we talked last week, how it is called a telephoto lens. You can see it'll kind of zoom out. This is a great lens for capturing something far in the distance or taking a portrait of an individual. This is not the lens that you would pick if you're trying to take a picture of an entire room because it's going to cut off the edge. It's not wide enough. A lot of people, the lens that we're looking at life through has cropped out some critical information. The fact that we've cropped out that information is stealing the peace that God ordained for us. Second Kings chapter 6, we come across this passage, as we just read, of Israel under the attack of the Syrians. And every time they attack, Elisha, the prophet, is telling the king of Israel, here's where to be prepared for. Here's where the attack of the enemy is coming. Hear me. We have an enemy. The Bible tells us that. And he will attack. The Bible tells us that as well. But his attacks are not new. 
as believers, we, we should not be as caught off guard as we are by the attacks of the enemy. God will reveal his, his attack will be on your esteem. He will try to tell you you're not good enough. You should know that. His attack will be on your children. The Bible says the enemy attacks in infancy what he doesn't want to deal with in maturity. So instead of being caught off guard when our kids come home with some idea that they learn that's not biblical, how about we build a biblical foundation in their life and teach them the word of God preemptively before the attack comes? There will be an attack on your marriage. How do you know that, Pastor? Well, the Bible says, if two of you agree on anything in my name, it will be done. Obviously, the enemy does not want you in agreement or to find somebody to be in agreement with. So he's going to do everything he can to keep you divided. Because we know that's where the attack is going to come. Stop skipping date night. Stop talking about her mama. Stop talking about her dad. Make sure you forgive quickly. Deal with conflict. We've got to reinforce our marriage from the attack of the enemy, even if you don't want to, say amen. amen. <laughs> Some of y'all were attacking each other on the drive to church this morning. I'm not talking to him. <laughs> so here it is. God was telling Elisha where the attacks were coming from. The king of Syria is like, I got to kill him if we're going to win any war. And next thing you know, the entire city of Dothan is crowded and covered and surrounded by the Syrian army. Elisha's attendant, his servant, wakes up in the morning and he goes out to kind of grab the paper or whatever and he sees this army and this dude loses his marble. Oh my God, we're gonna die! And he runs back and he wakes up Elisha. Elijah puts on his Scooby-Doo robe and he puts on his house slippers and he pours a cup of coffee before he even comes outside black. No cream, no sugar, because Elisha is a gangster. And he comes out completely unbothered. Here is an army there to kill him. And Elisha said, oh, it's Tuesday. <laughs> and he, the servant's confused. Do, do you not see what's wrong with you? Elisha said, the problem is you can't see clearly. Father God, I pray that you would open his eyes. And then he looks at his servant and he says to his servant, Union Church, what God sent me to say to, say to you, and that is look at the situation again. The first time you looked at it, you missed some vital details. But now that God has added clarity to your vision, he said, look again. And what he did not see the first time, he saw the second time. And that was he was not in this situation by himself. But there was an army of horses and chariots of fire that was surrounding them. Union Church God sent me today to say, look again. I know the doctor showed you an x-ray or an MRI. I know they said that it's a life thing and you're just going to have to manage it. But I challenge you, will you look again through the filter of Jehovah Rapha, the one that is able to heal us? I know it's unreconcilable differences and you've called an attorney and it's already over. But I dare you to look again through the lens of a God that has a heart of stone and is able to turn it back to flesh. I know they told you that there's no way the contract is going to get done. There's no way that 
door is going to open, but I dare you to look again through the lens of a God that opens doors that no man can shut and a God that shuts doors that no man can open. When you look the first time, you might have missed something. I challenge you, look again. Now, this is not like grad school super deep Christianity, but a lot of people miss the reality that we live in two different worlds, y'all. It's not, let me give you the two worlds, and you, you, you may, Pastor, I didn't know that. This is deep. No, this is, this is basic Christianity. You live in two different worlds. One world we call the natural world. That is the world that you can engage with with your five senses, you can see it, hear it, taste it, smell it, touch it. It's, it's the natural world. But there's not just a natural world. There's a spiritual world. And hear me. The spiritual world is more real than the natural world that you live in. The spiritual world is the world that God is in control of, where there are angels and there are demons. There is dominion. It actually says everything in the natural world comes from the spiritual world. The problem is we're so used to looking through a natural lens that we're completely oblivious to the fact that there are spiritual actions and involvements all around us. That we don't realize. Here's the Bible said in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 18. While we do not look at things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Without even realizing it, there's an entire world that you can't see. And that world, God is actively involved in every aspect of your life. And if we don't put on a spiritual lens, we can overreact to a situation, not realizing that God is fully in control. Here, here, here it is. You apply for a job and you don't get the job. And you, I mean, ugh, God, you've abandoned me. You're crying. God's laughing. <laughs> And he's not laughing because he's insensitive. He's laughing because he's like, do you not see what I have ahead of you? I didn't give you that because that wasn't the one that I have for you. The one that I have for you is so designed and it's perfect for you. If you would just see, I, I'm fully involved in what's going on. Come on now. You get outbid on a house. And you're just, ah, economy, interest rates. It's ridiculous. Houses are high, interest rates are high, you just can't find anything. God, where are you? He's laughing. <laughs> I'm actually in your new house, <laughs> kicking these people out. <laughs> and by the way, it's better than the one you were gonna go. The pipes are busted on that one. This one's gonna increase in value. This is if our reaction is different when we realize I'm not in this thing by myself. It's not just naturally what I can see. Here are you heartbroken because somebody broke your trust and walked out of your life. And God says, whoo, glad they're gone. <laughs> They've been weighing down your destiny. I'm so glad now you're free to go do what I've called you to do. Let's go. Hey, stop crying. Let's go. We got. Come on now. 
And, and what we don't realize is if we insist on seeing life only through a natural lens and miss what God is doing constantly and all, we will live with stress, anxiety, worry, depression, insomnia, and all of their friends. Stressed out by the fact he's with me, he will never leave me, he's ordering my steps. He has written the days of my life before I was even born. The one that started me is going to be faithful to complete the good work that he began in me. Somebody shout amen. So here's my goal. I have just three quick thoughts. How do I learn to put on a spiritual lens? How do I learn to see, not just in the natural going-ons that are in front of me, but through the lens of, God, what are you up to? Because I know that you're always up to something, not in the world. What's a God up to in Ukraine? He is up to something there. But no, no, on your street and in your life and in your story. Three quick thoughts. First thought is this. Uh, the first time is the worst time. The, the, the first time is the worst time. Hey, when we all get to heaven, are y'all going to protect me? Because I might get jumped. <laughs> I need y'all help. I'm for real, for real. Because like, like, I preach for a living, calling, and I, I spend a lot of time trashing a whole lot of people in the Bible. And I think they're going to come looking for me when I get to heaven. and Thomas is going to be at the front door be like, oh, I heard what you had to say, huh? <laughs> you know my first name ain't Doubting. What you, what you go, come on, come on. <laughs> Peter's going to be like, I cussed once. You preach it 25 times. It's only one time, bro. What's up with that? We just have a way as we read the Bible, when we see somebody struggling with their faith, we kind of look down on them as if that would never be me. And the only reason we look down on them is because we've got the whole story. So of course we know he's a punk with his faith because we got a chariot of fire. He didn't know there was a chariot of fire. And if he was here, he would say, I ain't never seen chariots of fire before. (laughs) By the way, neither have you. Can I help you out? Freaking out over a disaster is a natural, understandable reaction. It's, it's, it's not abnormal. It's, it's not where's your, it's, I've just, I've never been in this situation before. I've never seen this before. I'm over, well, anybody, you like to fish? Any, any, any fishermen, fisherwomen, you fish? Oh, now, I, I love fishing, y'all. Like, I, I mean, I, I love fishing so much, I nearly died over a fish. <laughs> Went deep sea fishing the third day of our honeymoon 10 years ago. This boat died two miles off the coast. <laughs> and I was like, God, I said, don't kill me until my uh, wedding night. I didn't say kill me after it. I mean, can I have a little bit of fun? I waited this long. I mean, God, leave. But <laughs> different message for a different day. <laughs> I love fishing. I've been fishing in Florida, fishing in different islands, fishing here in the Chesapeake. I love fishing. The problem is fishing doesn't love me. You ever love somebody that didn't love you back? <laughs> so like, well, actually, it hasn't been since middle school, Pastor. I've had that feeling. No, I love fishing. I'm just not good at it. I'm not. I, I actually should not call myself a fisherman. I, I should call myself a fish feeder. Because that's what I do. I go out, I get all this bait, I put the bait on the hook, I throw the hook in the water, I wait five minutes and I reel up an empty hook, no bait. I'm not talking about nibbled, I'm talking about whole fish, worm, whatever it is, gone, clean, to the point where the fish comes and cleans the hook off of Clorox for me to throw more bait out there. And I do, I do it over and I'll throw it. And then sometimes I'll throw and I'll catch something. You know you caught something because the, 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 the line will bend. 
And I'm like, whoa! And I mean, I'm like, take out the phone, it's a big one, and I'm fighting this thing into the boat. Next thing I know, it's a tire. <laughs> it's some seaweed. One time it was my sweatshirt that I had hooked and didn't even realize. <laughs> I need to just give up fishing, y'all. It just ain't for me. Here's the problem. I don't know what a fish nibbling feels like. So I'll put a bait on a hook, I'll throw it out, and a real fisherman can feel that there's a fish that's, that's hitting my bait, and they know I'm not a real fisherman, y'all. I'm from Baltimore. So I'm just, and I don't know when I'm in the presence of what I'm looking for. In the same way, a lot of people can't feel a miracle. They can't feel when God is working in their midst. I'm not, I'm not, I'm, this is my first time. I'm not used to God opening doors for me. So when the banker says there's absolutely no way that it can work out and they ask me, is there anything else they can do for me? I don't know why they asked that dumb question. You did not do what I asked you to do, but you're still asking me, is there anything else? I, I don't know to see that as the favor of God in this situation. I'm not used to God's favor around me. Because the first time is the worst time because I'm just not used to God's presence. Now, just like we trash people in the Bible, we're also intimidated by people in the Bible because we say, man, I can never have faith like that. I mean, look at Elisha. Brother didn't even flinch. He said, uh, uh. Now, if you don't know your Bible, you're going to think that Elisha has faith that I can never get. But if you read your Bible before, you realize Elisha wasn't calm because he knew God was for him. Elijah was calm, hear me, because this was not his first time seeing chariots of fire. Elijah, the first time I lost my marbles, I freaked out, but I've been here, done that. I've seen it before. Actually, just four chapters prior in 2 Kings chapter 2, here's what it says. Elisha was not the prophet at the time. He was the attendant to the prophet Elijah. And he went to Elijah and he said, can I receive double of the impartation of the mantle of the anointing that is on your life? Can I take a quick detour? Everything you receive in your life, you don't actually have to work for all of it. You can work for it or you can find somebody who's done some things for God, who's gone somewhere with God, who's discovered something in God, and you can actually say, hey, I want what you have on your life. Can I serve you? Can I learn from you? Can I get around you? Can a little bit of the anointing that's on you, can it rub off on me? Can, can I just take a step back and just tell you the truth? The fact that Union Church has six locations, over 10,000 people, over 5,000 people have given their life to Jesus this year. Hear me. I'm good, but I'm not that good. I'm not just walking in Stephen Chandler's anointing. There was a Bishop Rollins, and there was a Pastor Ron Chandler, and there's others that went before me, and I've learned I can either do it all in my own strength, or I can get around some great men and women of God, and I can receive from the anointing that's on them, and I can maximize that. If you've been married for 12 months, three years, eight years, can I help you out? Stop trying to figure it all out yourself. Go find you some married folks that have been married longer than you've had those tennis shoes. People, people have been married for 15 years, for 25 years. I was with somebody today who said we're celebrating our 43rd wedding anniversary. I'm like, good gracious, that's long. <laughs> Take them out to coffee, and by the way, you pay. You caught not one amen, right? We'll preach about generosity later. 
You know what happens when you get around people that have been married for decades? They'll say, hey, 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 just let them buy the car. It ain't worth the fight. Hey, hey, just let her renovate that room. It, who cares what color she paints the wall? At the end of the day, it does. Because old folks say, it don't mean the hill of beans. <laughs> what exactly is the hill of beans? I don't even know what that. Come on now. I, I remember sitting out with my mom, and, and, and she, was, she knew that she was at the end of her life. And probably, the, she said, Stephen, if I knew my life would be this short, I would not have fought with your father over some of the stupid stuff that we fought over. Because today, it means nothing. Come on now. Had nothing to do with the message. Anyway, so Elijah goes to Elijah, and he says, I want double your anointing. And Elijah, here's what it says in verse 10. He said, you have asked for a hard thing. Nevertheless, if you see me when I am taken from you, it shall be so for you. But if not, it shall not be so. That's a whole different message for a different day. He said, Elisha, you don't get this anointing easy. If you want it to be convenient, if you want it to come in your inbox, you ain't going to get it. But if you stick with me as God is leading me, you can receive what I have. Verse 11 says this, then it happened. As they continued on and talked, that suddenly, by the way, suddenly is a clue of the Holy Spirit getting ready to break into a situation. Suddenly, a chariot of fire appeared with horses of fire and separated the two of them. And Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. Fast forward to 2 Kings chapter 6. Here is Elijah in a predicament. They come to kill him. Has Elijah ever seen an army of horses and chariots of fire? No. But he's seen an Uber of fire. (laughs) Came and picked up his mentor and took him straight to heaven. I actually don't even think that Elijah saw the horses. I think he saw the army. And as he was looking at the army, he heard a sound that sounded like the same sound when he saw that horse of fire come and pick up Elijah. And I think as he was walking outside, he heard a rustle almost like the crackling of fire. And he says, I've been here. I've I've heard this sound. This is the sound that I heard last time God did something supernatural in my midst. I bet the same God that was there is the same God here, and he's getting ready to do something supernatural in my life. I've got something that may be a little bit too direct, but y'all know me by now. You're going to be all right. Cool? You can hinder your growth in Christ. You can stunt your growth in Christ. What, how, how do I stunt my growth in Christ? It's quite simple. Just do nothing he tells you to do. It's cool. Yeah, people do it all the time. No, seriously, just pray the prayer. You know the prayer. Now let me down to sleep. No, not that one. What's the one? I forget. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. God, I don't want to go to hell. Amen. Pray that prayer. And then do nothing after that. Don't forgive. Don't die to yourself. Don't, don't seek first his kingdom. Just, just do nothing. And guess what? 90 years from now, you'll be just as immature a Christian as you were the day you got saved. You can stunt your growth. Here's what I'm not sure you can. I don't know if you can accelerate your growth. I don't, I don't know if there's a fast forward button to your relationship with God. Because I think it just takes time of walking with him, learning him. Learn. Anybody here, you recognize the footsteps of a family member? 
Anybody here, you got people in the house where you know who's coming just by the sound of their feet? You, you just, you, you know, you pick up a phone, caller ID ain't even on it. You know who it is just by their voice. I don't, I don't need a caller ID. Why? Because I've been on my, my seven-year-old Zoe. She thinks she's a ninja. So she's like, you know, daddy can't hear me. So we'll put her to bed and she'll come out, try to watch TV or whatever it may be. But, but she's sneaking around. <laughs> but she forgets we put them beads in her hair. She's seven, y'all. She ain't that bright. She'd be walking around, clickety, clackety, clickety, clackety, clickety, clackety, clickety. And I'm like, Zoe, go to bed. It's like, Daddy, how'd you hear? I've just been around you enough that I know what your foot's. Hear me. There's a amount of time where you've been around God enough that you begin to recognize his voice and his footsteps and, and the situation. Oh, this is a moment where the Prince of Peace walks in. I've been here before. Oh, this is a moment where Jehovah Jireh is getting ready to. I've known him. There's just, you've just got to walk and hear and look for his hand in your life. Now, I've got no beef with you if you've never seen the miraculous and you're losing your mind. I do have beef with you if you're not new to this. Can, can I just be a pastor for a second? Come with it. How long you been saved? How long you been walking with Jesus? And you still bugging out? You still overwhelmed when you lose a job? You still take a 72-hour hiatus from life when somebody walks out of your life? Did, did you forget who your God is? Did, did you forget how awesome he Did you forget the last time you cried yourself to sleep and how he turned that horrible situation into one of the greatest miracles of your life? Did you forget that that moment when you gave up on yourself, he did not give up on you and ordered your... That's why David said, I've got to encourage my, I've got to remind myself that God has never left me nor forsaken me. By the way, it's so fun to preach this message and say, you people get your life together. Whole time, I'd be forgetting every day. We mess around and try to plan a campus in Charlotte. And I'm just like, whose dumb idea was this? This is horrible. We don't even love Jesus in Charlotte. This ain't going to work out. I'm pulling my hair out. I'm losing my mind. Next thing you know, we got thousands of people coming to church in Charlotte. Then we want to launch a campus at Falls Church. You know what I did? Oh, my gosh. They don't even love Jesus in Virginia, Northern Virginia at that. This is going to be a mess. This is going to be horrible. Why would we even do so? Next thing you know, you got hundreds of people coming up. Oh, gosh, we got to build a building in Bowie. It's cost a billion dollars. How in the world are we going to build this building? Next thing you forget that God gave us the Columbia building for free. We didn't even put a penny into it. And a million dollars of renovation just handed the key over. Sometimes you got to slow your roll and just remind yourself of the resume of God. He was faithful there. He was faithful there. He was faithful there. He was faithful there. And he said in his word, he's not like man. He does not lie. He will not change. If he did it before, he will. You've got to remind yourself because life got a way of giving you amnesia. You act like God ain't never came through for you. He's like, did you forget Friday? It was Friday. (laughs) Second thing, write this down, write this down. Hysteria blinds you. Hysteria blinds you. You ever got soap in your eyes? Nothing like soap in your eyes that will reduce you to a four-year-old. 
I'm in the shower, get somebody, yo, I'm screaming, I'm crying. Is that, where's the towel at? I start splashing water. Who knew water makes it worse because it bubbles up? You get out all soapy and forget the rest of it, trying to find a towel. Why? Because when you've got an irritant in your eye, you can't see. Go to work, your eyes all bloodshot. They're like, oh, we drug test today. Yes, we do. Because when you've got an irritant in your eye, it hinders your vision. Hear me. Some of y'all got anxiety in your eyes. And it's hindering your ability to see the hand of God in your life. Some of you got the economy in your eyes. And it's hindering your ability to see the hand of God in your life. Some of you have some worry or some setback or some dream that has not yet come to pass or some internal clock that says my life should be further than it is right now. But we've got these things that cause hysteria. And hear me, hysteria blinds you from seeing. And here's here's what the enemy will always do. He will make sure you've got something in the reality to look like, to look at, that makes you think God's promise will never come to pass in your life. He said, oh, you need something to to be afraid of? I'm going to give you evidence that God's forgotten about you. I was talking to the staff. We we, we, we didn't come up with the word. It's a real word, but we were just talking. Uh, uh, The word is catastrophizing. Catastrophizing. You know what that means? It means it's worse in your imagination than it is in reality. Am I the only one that does that? I do it for a living, y'all. Like, I mean, listen, you ever in a situation where your boss at like four o'clock on a Friday says, hey, first thing Monday, we need to meet. What you want to meet with me for? Why can't we talk right now? Weekend, ruined. All weekend long, you're just like, what do you think you want to talk about? You think they found? No, they couldn't have found out. They would have. They wouldn't meet today if they found that out. That can't be that. I mean, that was was last year. There's no way. Huh. I mean, I haven't done anything recent. Maybe that's it. Maybe I haven't done anything recent. Sheesh. You know, last time they met with Henry, I ain't never seen him since. Like, he ain't even his his pictures are still in. His, they just disappeared him. Like. Oh gosh, babe, babe, babe. We, I, I, you know what? I know I'm gonna quit. I'm gonna quit. I'm gonna quit. That's what I'm gonna do. They can't even fire. Yeah, I'm not gonna give you the dignity of firing me. I'm gonna quit. I quit. I'm not coming in on Monday. I'm done. Oh gosh, hold on. We got a mortgage. I just quit my job. Gosh, okay. Economy's bad. Can't sell the house. Babe, just give them the keys, okay? Let's just leave. Let's, I don't know. Hey, there's a bridge on Park Heights that we can live under. It's amazing. We can eat noodles and next thing you know, in your mind, you're homeless under a bridge eating noodles and noodles for a living. And all they said was, let's meet on Monday. Am I the only one? Your mind just goes places. God says, you've got to anchor your soul. All that drama is blinding you from the fact that, come on, let's take it back to Sunday school. He's got the whole world. In his hands, he's got the whole world. He, he's got your ratchet boss in his He's got the whole world in his There's this passage in Mark chapter 8 where they brought a blind man to Jesus. They said, Jesus, we need you to heal this man. Look what Jesus said. He said so he took the man by the hand and led him out of the town. And when he had spit on his eyes, I don't got time to preach, but Jesus spits. Anyway, when he had spit on his eyes, he put his hand on him and he asked him if he saw 
anything. They bring a blind man and said, this guy can't see. Jesus opened his eyes. Jesus said, not through his words, through his actions. I can't open his eyes in this city. I got to take him outside of this chaos if he's going to see something he's never seen before. God said, no, no, this city reminds him of his blindness. This city is where he begged. This city is where he was marginalized and humiliated. This city told him that he has nothing to offer because he's missing the resources of this city values. I've got to take him out of the torment of this if he's going to be able to receive anything from me. Let's get out of this. Some of y'all need to get out of this city. That's the word I needed. I'm leaving. I'm going to Atlanta. That's not what I'm going to come. You've got to learn how to be physically in a situation, but emotionally outside of it. You've got to learn how to be physically in the hospital room, but emotionally outside in faith. How do I do that? The first way you do it is through the Word of God. This is an anchor. What does an anchor do? It keeps something from being tossed around by the wind and the drama. And oh, No, 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 no. I need an anchor for my soul. Well, they say this year is going to be the worst economy that the world has ever seen. No, 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 no. It says, I've never seen the righteous forsaken, nor their children begging for bread. This is the worst season in American history. People are more stressed and anxiety. No, no, no. no. He will keep in perfect peace them whose mind is stayed on him. Oh, if that executive had just known me and met me. No, no, no. He said that my gifts will bring me before great men and will... They hate me. I can't ever get promoted at this job. He, he will prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemy. My cup runneth over. When you know God's word, it anchors you in the midst of drama. Okay, last thing is this. Write this down, write this down, write this down. Choose the lens. Keep playing. Go ahead. I'm done. I'm done. I promise you I'm done. So Jesus takes this man outside the city, spits on him. <laughs> Preach that to yourself at home. <laughs> that's, that's, a, that's a good man. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna do it. Say it on time. All right, here we go. Mark chapter 8, verse 23 says this. Jesus asked him and said, can you see anything? And the man looked up and he said, I see men like trees walking. Then Jesus put his hands on his eyes again. Jesus prayed for this man twice and made him look up and he was restored and saw everyone clearly. Yo, if I had time, y'all, I'd, pre I'd preach the wheels off of this man. This is a 45 minutes revelation in itself. Because I don't have the time, can I just give you the revelation? People say, actually, we prefer it that way. Okay, calm down. <laughs> I've heard people erroneously say, you see, it's proof that it doesn't work for Jesus every time. He had to pray for him twice. You see, even Jesus makes mistakes. Well, we know that's not true. Man, he never failed a day in his life. He ain't about to start now. Can, can I tell you what happened? When, when, when Jesus prayed for the man, he said, what do you see? And the man said, I see men like trees. The Bible says, if you go over to Psalm chapter 1, it says, they who live their life based on the word of God shall be like trees planted by streams of living water. Trees is a prophetic word for men and women of God walking on this earth. Hear me. Jesus opened his spiritual eyes first. 
When he say men like trees, I can see the spiritual realm. God says, okay, now that that's fixed, let me open your natural eyes second. Here's what Jesus was saying. It's more important that you see spiritually than it is that you see naturally. Come on now. You got your vision board. You got your five-year plan. You know where you want to be 18 months from now. I'm glad that you've got natural vision, but do you have spiritual vision? Do you know what God has called you to, that he's ordering your steps, that he's involved in every situation? Can you see what God is up to? Servants' eyes open. They see the chariots of fire everywhere. Verse 18, it says this. So when the Syrians came down, Elisha prayed to the Lord and said, strike this people, I pray, with, watch this, blindness. And he struck them with blindness according to the word of Elisha. Y'all, the Bible is so confusing. Hear me. Maybe it's just because I don't have enough Jesus in me. If there's an army around me that came to kill me, and I've got an army of God with chariots of fire that are surrounding their army. Here's what I'm not going to pray. I'm not going to pray God blind them. Can I tell you what I am going to pray? God, kill them. They came to kill me. I'm going to kill them first. God, take them out. Yo, pastor, that's wrong. It's Old Testament. It's okay. <laughs> okay, don't kill them. You shouldn't kill them. Okay, fine. Chariots of fire. God, burn them. Cook them. Medium well plus. Elisha said, blind them. God, do to them in the situation that my servant was in, as you read on, he actually used it as a moment to point them back to God. I'm sitting there like, well, how do you even know that God will blind? I mean, it's a whole army of people. How, how do you? Here's what struck me. Stephen, your ability to see spiritually is dictated by the size and the audacity of your prayers. When you pray normal, safe prayers, it's evidence that you can't see in the spiritual realm. But when you can see that there's angel armies that are surrounding you, you start praying crazy prayers like, God, blind them all and lead them to Christ. We're stuck you know, praying some dumb prayers. I don't know I'm not supposed to say it. Every prayer is a good prayer. No, there's some dumb prayers. God, God, I pray that you would protect me as I drive on the highways and the byways. What is a byway? God, I pray that you would keep me in perfect health. Ain't nothing wrong with that. You need health, you need protection. But the Bible says, ask of me and I'll give you the nations as your inheritance. He said, if I did not spare my only son, but gave him freely, how much more will I not freely give you all things? I think God is saying, Union Church, stop asking for a campus and start asking for a state. Stop asking for a student and start asking for revival to break out in the entire university. Stop asking that that one person would come to Jesus and ask that God would use them as a preacher of the gospel. Start praying prayers that only heaven can for. That's why the Bible said, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it already is in. I start praying for heaven when I can see heaven. This series I have not enjoyed. Because normally I get up to the end, you people get your act together. <laughs> I don't do that. For these last two weeks, God's been saying, Stephen, I need you to change your lens. Because I need you to see what I'm doing in your life, in this church, and in this city. 
And I pray that what God is doing in me, he'll do in you. I, this, this is a message encourage you. Take notes on it. I'm praying for a supernatural impartation in this moment. I'm praying that you walk home to situations that you've been discouraged and overwhelmed, and all of a sudden you see them through a lens of, hold on, God's at work here. No, 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 God's doing something here. No, 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 God, God, God's going to work. I'm greater is he that is with me than he that I'm facing in this. City. I'm praying that you would just walk into work on Monday to that meeting that's first thing in the morning and say, you know what? I know God was here before I got here. I know that God is working this out on my behalf. I can't quite see seven steps down the road, but I can see that he's in this. So God, come, can you just say, God, I trust you. I, I don't even know what you're up to, God. But go one more time. Somebody say, God, I trust you. Father God, we say we trust you. You said one of your names is Emmanuel, the God who is always with us. In that hospital room, you're with us. In that tense conversation, you're with us. God, at work, you're with us as we're driving on the highways and the byways. God, you are with us. So I'm praying for the supernatural to break out in the lives of every single person in the sound of my voice right where you're sitting with your eyes closed and your head bowed. If you could pray this prayer with me, say, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? And just give God a moment to make this time and make this message personal to you. Maybe if you were to be honest, you would say, Pastor, I don't know if I could even see Jesus. Maybe life has been life and you've been running, you've been busy, you've been trying to make it work the best you can, and somehow in that journey you've lost sight of God. Maybe you're like me and you grew up in church and you know the whole church thing, you just, somehow you miss the God of the church. Wherever you find yourself, if you were to say, Pastor, I, I know my eyes are not locked on Jesus, I know that he's not the center of my life the way that I, I, I need to see him again. If that's you, this moment is for you. Right where you're sitting, can, can you pray this prayer with me? Say, Lord Jesus, I want to see you. I want to know you. Thank you for dying on the cross, for shedding your blood, so that all of my sin, all of my mistakes can be erased. In this moment, I surrender. I give you all of me. Be my Lord, be my Savior, and use me for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen and amen and amen. Come on, can you celebrate for every single person?